Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Let's all rise together as we read this psalm in unison to worship the Lord this morning with His own inspired words. Together, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He hath showed His people the power of His works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Very briefly, the first verse tells us what we're doing here. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. We're in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. All that's left for you to determine is, are you praising the Lord with your whole heart? Amen. Or is your heart distracted and elsewhere? Or is it divided? Is it, it should be single-minded to praise Him. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. There is nothing to a child of God more pleasant than to read the great works of God as they're recorded in the Bible. On my visits to see Brother Red in the evening, his reading, he wanted to be from 1 Samuel. He wanted to read about David being anointed in chapters 13 and 14. He wanted to read about David in chapter 15 being given the kingdom and had taken away from Saul for his disobedience. We wanted to read about chapter 16 being anointed there as one of Jesse's sons, chapter 17, killing Goliath. Those are great works of God in that he did. Choosing the youngest and despised son of Jesse to be the next king of Israel, and then preparing him so well that he made haste and ran to meet the giant. Goliath didn't have to come looking for David. David went to meet him and went to meet him aggressively because the Lord was with him. That was a great work, and there's pleasure in reading about the great works of God that the Bible has for us. Now, it tells us in verse 3 something about the works of God. His work is honorable and glorious. It's honorable. It's worthy of all praise because it's right. It's good. It's just. It's fit. 
It's appropriate, so it's honorable. It is worthy or deserving of honor. And it's glorious in the way he does things. Brother Red remembered a sermon. If I say these words to you, do you remember a sermon from them? Goliath said, Am I a dog? What was the title of the sermon? Famous last words. That was 1987. The man has a good memory, doesn't he? Am I a dog? Well, the answer to that question is a resounding, Amen. Amen. Goliath said, Am I a dog? And David proved him to be one. And he went and took the head off that uncircumcised nine-foot-nine-inch champion of the Philistines. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. Everything God does, you can't add to it or take away from it or perfect it to make it better. It is righteous, and it endures forever. We always want to remember that about everything God does. Now look what it says in 4 about his wonderful works. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. You know, God did the things that he did do in such a dramatic way so that we would find great comfort in reading about them. He didn't have to be quite as dramatic. The plagues in Egypt, we get a lot of pleasure out of reading them to our children, don't we? He didn't have to do it that way. He did it that way because he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. And he has done them for our benefit that we might be encouraged in trusting in a God able to do such great things. There were a people grieved before the Lord and mourning and sighing. And it tells us, by reason of their sighing, it came up into heaven, into his holy place. And did God arise for their help? Indeed he did. We go further into this psalm, and we, I want to move down to verse 7. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. Verity is truthfulness. His works are true, and they're, they're judgment. Now, judgment right here does not mean they're punishment. It means they're right, they're fair, they're equitable. They're based on good judgment. His works are true and based on good judgment. Things happen to us in our lives that hurt, disappoint, pain, trouble, confuse us. But we must always remember that the works of his hands are true and of good judgment. He's fair and equitable in what, what he gives us. In fact, if we consider most wisely, he is unfair because he always gives us better than we deserve. All his commandments are sure. And I'm thankful for that. We're going to see his commandments today in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. The Lord Jesus Christ opening his Sermon on the Mount said that not a jot or a tittle would fail from the law till all be fulfilled. Now a jot and a tittle are the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the smallest point of distinction. That Lord Jesus Christ making a very strong point that even the smallest parts of written language are not going to fail till all be fulfilled. They stand fast forever and ever. The commandments of God are sure, and we have an everlasting foundation Amen. on which to base our lives and our future hope. We've used verse 9 before. 
We're thankful that he sent redemption to his people, and we're thankful that his covenant is his commandment, not our offer. The covenant that God made with his people is not an offer depending on our performance. It's his commandment. I love Titus chapter 1, how it begins, God, that cannot lie, that promised eternal life before the world began. That's him commanding his covenant. And this verse goes on to say, holy and reverend is his name. It should anger you to know that there is a man on this earth that expects to be called most holy and reverend father. The Bible tells us to call no man father on earth. The Bible here says that God is holy and reverend in his name. But there's a man on earth who is called by his appropriate title, most holy and reverend father. Do you know who that man is? He is the man of sin who sits in the throne of God and professes himself to be God. We do not allow any titles like that. Let me remind you, you adults can call me Brother Jonathan and your children can call me Brother Crosby. And that's enough respect for me because I'm your brother. Jesus told his disciples, you are to be known among yourselves as brethren. When the apostles would write of each other, they wrote of our beloved brother Paul. When Paul wrote of Timothy, our brother Timothy, we're all brethren. There is no man worthy of mo. Isn't that title make you angry? Most holy? Most reverend? God is most holy, and there is none to even be compared to him. Especially that man that sits in Rome and professes himself to be the father of the church. Verse 10 gives you a definition of the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I get, I get letters often because when you're writing on the Proverbs, you have to use the words the fear of the Lord on a regular basis. And I get letters, and our webmaster gets to see them. What do you mean by all this emphasis on the fear of the Lord since we're supposed to love the Lord? They're not incompatible, brethren. Amen. The fear of the Lord, when it's used in the Bible in a positive way for his people, is an awesome reverence and desire to please our God. It's fear in that sense. It's not fear in a servile, terrified, paranoid sense. Right. It's very different. But they don't understand that because the words, the fear of the Lord, are not preached anymore in America. But here we're told what the fear of the Lord is. Because a good understanding is the same as wisdom. To have wisdom is the same as a good understanding. And you get wisdom by fearing the Lord. How do you get the good understanding? By doing his commandments. The fear of the Lord is that awesome respect and reverence for God that moves you to want to keep his commandments in order to please him. And in order to avoid his displeasure and his chastening. That's the fear of the Lord. And look what it said. Now let's look at the words themselves. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Jesus is going to say, He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them is likened unto a wise man. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments.
His praise endureth forever. Amen. Let's be those wise and understanding people that the Bible refers to. And let's build our house this day on a solid rock of Jesus Christ's sayings and doctrine. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.